So I had been praying, and I said, okay, God, you know, what, what do you want to, what's the word for November? And, and to be honest with you, I, I was trying to stay away from thankful, right? I was trying, okay, God, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to j- jump into the cliche. I'm not going to, you know, I want to be different, Lord. I want to be, I want to preach on something that, and I, and I really sought the Lord. And I, and I said, okay, God, what do you want to teach the congregation? He said, thankfulness. No, God, it's, it, that's, that's, trust me, that's what everybody's doing. Everybody's preaching. And I felt like the Lord said, thankfulness. So I, I, I kind of took some steps back, and, and, and I, I really felt like I understood where, where the Lord was going with this. I don't know about you, but if I had to say and be very, very honest with you and say, you know, where the war is at in my life, it's in my mind. It's in my thought process. It's, it's kind of how I, I think. And, and the Bible says, and I'm so glad that it gets this, it clears this up for me. The Bible says that, you know, that God's ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. His, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts and his ways are higher than our, our ways, the Bible says. And I'm so thankful because if you could get in my mind, it's pretty messed up. And let me give you a story. When, when Sheila and I were, were first married, um, you know, she would go out with her friends. And she would tell me, okay, honey, I will be home at this time. And I'd be like, great, sounds good. You know, have fun, honey. Kiss her on the cheek. So let's just say that that time was she'd be back at like 9 o'clock. At 9.01... That's when the war in my mind starts. I would literally go from zero to 100 miles an hour of my thought process. And by the way, it wasn't just like, oh, it's, you know, I don't want to hope she must be having. This is how I should have thought. Oh, she must be having a great time that is just going longer. That is not where my mind went. I was already imagining her on the side of the freeway, bloodied and beaten and either in a car accident or some crazy man with a knife, you know, was running after her or something like that. And I'm already freaking out. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what do I do? And I'd pace the house and I was just like, okay, Matthew, calm down. It's not like that. And, and I knew rationally that I was being crazy, but the thoughts still were there, right? And so I'd sit down for another 10 minutes and now it's 9.15. And now I'm contemplating, okay, when is the time when I call the police, right? When is the time where I get, where, where I call up everybody and we get a search party going for her and we're going to comb the, you know, Orange County, you know, looking for her. And I would go there in my mind and I would have these, you know, wrestling matches with myself and I knew that it was ridiculous. I knew that, you know, that she was okay, that she was with her friends and, and but my mind, you know, would just go there. And, and that's the kind of stuff that, that happens to me, you know. I, I, another scenario, and by the way, of course, you know, at like 9.40, she'd come walking in, and she'd have this big giant grin on her face, and I'd be like, oh my gosh, you're okay. Oh, thank God. And she's like, what is your deal? Like, get it together. And I'm just like, I'm sorry. I just, you know, and I, I'm panicking. And so... Uh, and I, I do this also in the evenings. I, you know, as the house locks up, I go around and I, I lock up the house and, and everyone's in, in bed. And, and if I let my mind go there, I start wondering, okay, if somebody was going to break in the house tonight, like, you know, what, what window? Uh, and then I'll kind of start checking it out. And then I'll start, okay, I'm actually going to go get that kitchen knife and I'm going to put it over here. It's reach, you know, in a reach. And I just, what, what am I doing? 
You know what I mean? Why do I think that way? Why, do, why, you know, why does my mind go there? I go to these really bizarre, weird places. And no, <laughs> I'm just being, cl- I'm, now I'm an open book. Here we go. <laughs> I will have full-on fighting matches with people, at, like scenarios in my head of someone like breaking down our door and me getting into, okay, I'll, I'm gonna, I'll jump on his back and I'll try to choke him out this way or something like that. You know, like I'm going to do that, you know. But I, I don't know, I don't know about you, it, maybe it's just me, but I get in these scenarios and I, I go to these really dark places in my life. And, it, and it's, and by the way, none of it's true. None of this has ever happened. You know, my wife and I are going to celebrate 18 years of marriage this month. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, she's put up with me for 18 I don't know if you're, are you clapping for her? <laughs> but for 18 years... 18 years, you know, my mind has the tendency to go to these bizarre places and, do, and, and have these, you know, bizarre, you know, stories play out in my head. And I started to think, you know, Lord, how do you combat that? Like, what, what is it that you do? And of course, you know, the Bible has much to say about that. But as I was studying in this, and I realized that, you know what, there is a tool. There is a tool in our, in our you know, in our toolbox, in our uh, tool belt that can combat the, the thinking, the, the war of the mind, which to be honest with you, we probably think, you know, most thoughts in our head are untrue, right? You know, ha- have you ever, and let me give you another scenario. Have you ever walked into a room and somebody else is in the room and, um, and there's something off about that person, you know, and normally they're a friend of yours or something like that, but there's just something off and you immediately go with, oh, they're mad at me. By the way, there's 50 other people in the room, but for some reason, they're mad at you, right? I, by the way, I've done that. I've done that. I walked into a room, you know, brand new day, brand new, you know, and, and then you see that person and something just kind of seems to be off about them. They're acting a little differently. And immediately you go to, it's me. What did I do? And now you, you're just, your day's completely ruined. It could happen at work. It could happen at school. It could happen at church, right? And we do that. And then really, most of the time, 99.9% of the time, if you go up to that person and ask them, are you okay, you're going to hear a completely different story than you made up in your head. And, and guess what? Your name is not included in that story. It has nothing to do with you. But we do that, right? We have this war in our head that we have this mind that we seem to always go to the, the negative. And I realized that being thankful, that when we are thankful, it, that it combats that. And, and let, let me explain. But before I get into the biblical, did, did you guys know that, that Thanksgiving was a Christian holiday? When George Washington first instituted Thanksgiving, and by the way, it was based on, you know, harvest festivals that they would have. It's really a God-centered holiday. And George Washington was the first to say this is going to be a, a federal holiday. And then Abraham Lincoln, uh, it kind of fell away. And then Abraham Lincoln brought it back. And, and both, of, both George Washington and both Abraham Lincoln both said that it would be a day to give thanks to God. Not just to be thankful. And I got to admit, I, I, I've grown up thinking that, oh, it's just a day to be, to be thankful. And of course, becoming a Christian, I've always given thanks to God. But I did not know that we are setting aside as a nation to give thanks to God. That even our forefathers, even leaders you know, uh, uh, of the past knew the importance of taking a day to say, you know what, we're going to stop everything. You're not going to go to work you're not going to go to school. You are going to stop and you are going to give thanks to God. 
And of course, it always followed the harvest, which is a very natural way that, that you know, when, when God would bless them through the harvest, that they, you know, that they would give thanks to God. That even the, the day that we celebrate Thanksgiving is really a God-centered, God-created event, holiday. And I pray that you, you know, that you think about that on the day of Thanksgiving as, as you're giving thanks for your family and thanks for food and thanks for, you know, things that you would, that you would remember the one person that we're giving thanks to. I quoted this scripture uh, already, but I want to say it again. You know, David's uh, in his lament to God after he had sinned with Bathsheba in Psalm 51, specifically verse 12. David says, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. You see, he had just committed an awful sin, an egregious sin. He had... He had taken something that was not his. In fact, he had even broken, you know, the Jewish law. And, and the prophet Nathan comes to him, and of course the prophet Nathan re- reveals the sin to him, and, and Nathan just laments. He, he falls on his face, and this is where you see the true heart of who David was. He was a king. He could have had this all covered up. He could have killed more people and murdered more people to keep this thing hush-hush, but he didn't. He fell on his face. He humbled himself before the Lord and he admitted his sin. And then he says these words, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Basically, you know what? I've just created this mess, but let me go back. Even in the midst of my own sin, let me remember that I have been redeemed, that I have been saved, that there's a God in heaven who loves me despite all of this, despite all of this. This phrase has always haunted me because of how often I forget what God has done for me. How often, whether it's my own sin or, or whether it's just the cares of the world or whether it's like, you know, my mind just goes into these dark places. You know, the only way to kind of, you know, get back and the only way to kind of get out of these places is to remember to literally train my mind to remember the joy of my salvation, to say that no matter what goes on in this world, no matter what happens to me here on this, in this earth, on this planet, on, you know, in this situation, that there is an eternity of mind that is already secure. That joy should come out of that, right? That it should pull me out of those places of depression. It should pull me out of those places of darkness. It should pull me out of of, of just wrong thinking. That I need to correct myself and say, that no matter what is going on, no matter what I've done, no matter where I've been, no matter what is happening in the Lord, that I am saved. That Jesus has already redeemed me. I want to look at at this story in... uh, in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 7. So if you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 36. It is a beautiful, beautiful story. It is a picture. It is a picture of how we should react to the salvation that Jesus gives us. And it's interesting where this all happens. And it's interesting that that you would think on the outward appearance, you would immediately judge some of the characters in this book, in this story. But Jesus reveals the truth, and Jesus reveals the the true heart of all the characters in this story. So I'm going to read it to you. 
Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. Now, if you guys don't know what a Pharisee is, this would have been the, the, the priests of the time, the, the Jewish priest. And, and a Pharisee would have been someone held in very high regard and, and, and everybody would have gone to for, you know, uh, uh, you know, for help and, and, and to understand scripture and, uh, you know, all, all of these things. You know, he was the, you know, you know, the pastor of, of the time, but, but, um, but they actually kind of walked around a little bit like royalty, uh, to be honest. But one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from the city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet weeping. Her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She is a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him a story. A man loaned money to two people. 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces of silver to the other. But neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, well, I suppose the one of whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she was washing them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she, was, uh, she has anointed my feet with the rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love, but a person who has forgiven little shows only a little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. And the men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So let me paint a little bit of a picture for you. It was very customary that if you were to invite someone over to your home at the time, there, there was some things that, that you did to show honor to the person that was coming into your house. One of the things was that you would wash the feet of the people that came over. And that is because people walked around on dirt uh, and they only wore sandals and you got, your feet got a little dirty and stinky, right? And it was very customary that as people would come over, and of course you were going to be reclining at dinner together, and, and most likely your feet uh, were going to be near other people and things like that, that, you know, that there would be a washing of feet. And it was customary for you know, uh, the, the, the homeowners to, to do this. 
Another uh, custom was, you know, the anointing, uh, you know, uh, of the head. And again, it, it kind of had to do with their culture at the time. It kind of had to do with, you know, it, it, it was kind of a, a way of just kind of cleansing yourself and, and, and keeping yourself clean from all the things that were happening outside and all the bugs and, you know, all, all, all this kind of stuff. And it was very customary to greet people with a holy kiss, Right? It was a way of showing honor. It was a way of showing love. It was a way of showing acceptance and welcoming and things like that. This man had neglected all three of those very customary things, which makes you wonder what he thought of Jesus. It makes you wonder that he'd already put Jesus kind of on this level of, I'm not quite sure who you are yet, and I'm not necessarily going to show you much honor, even though I've invited you over to my house. He had no clue that he had the king of kings and the Lord of lords in his home. So here comes this sinner woman, right? We all know what she was. We all know what she did. It was very obvious. You know, she has expensive perfume. And, and, and she just, she basically invites herself into this house. She does not care that she's not invited. Because she knows who Jesus is, and she knows and she's heard what he has done, and, and that she knows who she is. There's obviously no doubt in, her, you know, in our minds that she understands who she is because of how she approaches Jesus. And she comes, and Jesus would have been reclining, and how they would have eaten, uh, eaten dinner at the time is they would have been kind of reclining on their sides and, you know, sitting on their elbows, and they would have kind of put their feet away from them. So his, his feet would have been kind of outward away from the table, so she could have easily fallen at Jesus' feet. And she instantly, you know, it's a very beautiful picture. It's, if you think about it, I mean, she, she dirties her own hair, right? We don't know what Jesus had been stepping in. We don't know where he'd gone. She doesn't care. She honors him and she loves him so much. She takes her own hair and she takes probably one of the most expensive things that she owns. You know what I mean? She could have gotten another type of you know, oil. She could, have, you know, she could have used other things to anoint him. She could have, but she, she takes her most expensive possession. She uses her own hair, right? And women, right? You know keep your hair clean and looking the way it does it takes a lot right could you imagine using your own hair to, to clean somebody else's dirty filthy stinky feet and we're not talking just a, uh, you know something that's been in a sock we're talking something that's been on the earth right you know and something that's probably stepped in some stuff you know and and here she is falling at her feet and she's just weeping she knows who jesus is she has no doubt. Maybe this Pharisee has doubts, but she has no doubts who Jesus is. A couple lessons to kind of be learned from this story. When we are thankful, this is what it produces. This is what thankfulness produces in our lives. The first one is, when we are thankful, we will worship God with all of our hearts and all of our minds. You know that scripture, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and strength. You know, you, you will give God your all like this woman. This woman is a perfect picture of how we should be approaching Jesus and how we should be thankful for what he did on the cross for us. To be kind of juxtaposed or kind of contrasted with how the Pharisee, you know, treated Jesus, you know, in his own home. 
when we worship God, when we are completely, when we completely understand what God has done for us, we should have a desire to want to serve him, to want to worship him, to want to give him our all, to not hold anything back, to not even let, by the way, she knew she would be ridiculed. She knew that when she walked into that house, this was a house of a Pharisee, right? This was a house of a, a, a holy man, right? This was a house of someone who definitely thought highly of themselves. She knew what she was doing. She knew she was not welcome there, but she did not care because she knew who was there. She knew that God was in that house. She knew the one that could forgive her of her sins was in that place. And she didn't care who else knew. And, and we should take on that kind of attitude. And by the way, I struggle with this. I, I struggle with just being out in public and letting my faith be known right? Because I don't want anybody to not like me. Well, if they find out I'm a Christian or even find out I'm kind of one of those, you know, hippy-dippy Christians or something like that, that I really love the Lord, you know, that what are they going to think about me? She did not care. She worshiped God with everything and everything she had. And that is the kind of heart when we have a heart of thankfulness and that we come before the Lord that we should have. Secondly, When we are thankful, we will understand how much we were forgiven, right? This woman knew what she had done. She knew that she was a sinner. Nobody had to explain it to her, right? Nobody had to point at her and say that you're a sinner. She knew. She understood who she was. The problem was, like I said, uh, the Pharisee didn't know who he was. He didn't know that he was a sinner too, He didn't know that Jesus looked at her, you know, on the same playing field, the same level as him. That they were both sinners. That they both have an opportunity for forgiveness. But she knew what she had been forgiven, right? She had knew all of her sins and that Jesus was saying, all of your sins are forgiven. There's not one thing I'm going to hold against you. There's not one thing that you've done or there's not one thing that you're even still going to do that's going to keep my love from you. It is offered to you because of your faith. Because that you know who I am, you are saved. And she understood that. She obviously understood that way more than the Pharisee. That is the kind of heart we need to have. That's what thankfulness to God brings, an understanding of how much we were forgiven. And it's interesting if you... If you even remember when I talked about the the armor of God and and Paul talks about the helmet of, what does he call the helmet? The helmet of salvation, right? It it has to do with our thinking, you guys. This This is how all this connects. It has to do with the way we think. We put on the helmet of salvation to remind ourselves, to constantly remind ourselves of who we are and how much that we've been forgiven. And it helps us in our thinking. It helps us how to act. Third, when we are thankful, our faith will be strengthened. Our faith will be strengthened. Being thankful for our salvation is a constant reminder of what God has done for us. So let me put put this in perspective for you. If God was able to save you from death itself, what else can he do? Come on. What else can he do for you? Think about that for a second. If God could save you from the pit of hell, If God can save you from sin itself, from death and destruction, if God can save you that, can't he provide for you this month? Can't he heal you? Can't he answer your prayer? Can't he restore a broken relationship in your life? Can't he? 
I, by the way, I do this to myself. I know God saved me and I believe it. And I'm over here and I'm on Sunday mornings and I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for saving me and I'm saved. And, I'm, you know, and then I'm over here and it's Wednesday and, and you know, we're writing checks for our rent and all this. And we're doing all this. And I start to freak out. I start to look at my bank account and realize, oh, I don't think we have enough. Oh, my gosh. And then, then my mind, where, where do I go? My mind goes there. It goes in that dark place. Oh, my gosh. All is lost. Oh, my gosh. We're going to be kicked out. Oh, my gosh. You know, I'm going to have to, you know, beg on the corners for my family. You know, that's going to, the next time you get off the freeway, guess who you're going to see? Right? I go there. Why do I do that? Why do in one place my faith is strong when I believe in my salvation, but then when I'm over here believing God that he's going to just provide for me and my family, that somehow I seem to throw faith out the window? You see, when we are thankful, when we are thankful, especially when we are thankful for our salvation, it reminds us if God can save you, if God can save your very, very soul, then what else could he do for you? By the way, it's all in the Bible. All those promises, they're there. When we are thankful, it will bring peace into our lives. I need, I need peace, you guys. I'm going to be honest. I need peace. I can feel peace on a Sunday morning, and by Monday, I'm in utter turmoil. I feel like the ocean is raging. I feel like I'm in, you know, that boat, and I'm yelling at Jesus, I'm dying, I'm dying, you know? But it will bring peace. Understanding our salvation should bring peace to your soul. Your, your salvation is secure. In Psalm 125.1 it says, Those who trust in the Lord are as secure as Mount Zion. They will not be defeated but will endure forever. You see, Mount Zion is a kind of a representation even though there was a, a physical holy city. It's, it, Mount Zion is an, uh, is an idea of this spiritual ho holy city that is unpenetrable. It, 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 it will never, ever be defeated. No warring armies will be able to, and, and by the way, Israel, for, you know, many, many years, the, you know, Jerusalem was, was thought to be, you know, that no army, but the spiritual city, Mount Zion, this, this spiritual city of God's, it, it, you know, and, and so the, the psalmist is saying, your salvation is secure as that. Nothing will be able to come against it. Nothing will be able to tear it down. Nothing will be able to get up over those walls and bring, and bring destruction. Lastly, when we are thankful for our salvation, we are able to forgive others. And can I tell you guys, this is huge. This is huge. If we could just become a culture of forgiveness, if we could just become a culture, a, a world for that matter, of, of forgiveness, there would be so much healing. There would be so much unity. There would be so, I mean, you know, but if we're not being for, forgiving, then you don't know what you've been forgiven. You don't know how close to, you know, eternal damnation you were if you can't turn around and forgive. And I urge you, if there is somebody in your life that you have not forgiven, I urge you, if you want peace in your life, if you, you know, want to turn that corner, if you, wanna, you know, if you want to show thanks to God for your salvation, one of the acts of doing that is forgiving somebody who's hurt you. And by the way, we all have stories, right? We all have stories, you know? We need to forgive. 
we need to forgive, if we're going to, especially if we're going to do this thing together called church and building the kingdom of God and all that stuff, we need to all of us be forgivers because we should understand how much we were forgiven. So you guys, listen. When we talk about being thankful this month, when you go into Thanksgiving, please don't forget to be thankful for your salvation. In fact, bring that into every single day of your life. When you start to go there like me, when you start to go there, you start to think those thoughts, whether it's about another person or a circumstance or, 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 or you just seem to start to unravel, remember, start to be thankful for your salvation because it will right the ship. It will put your thoughts where they need to be, right? Remember, our thoughts are not his thoughts. Our ways are not his ways. For his, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, and his ways are higher than our ways. Amen?